Well, for those of you that may not have been here, may be visiting, it's great to have you here. We are continuing on a sermon series that we began in September on the life of King David, and uh, this is the next to last sermon. Uh, We're going to have a sermon two weeks from now, which will be the last one. Next week, we have a guest preacher. It's going to be my, uh, the guy who preached in my installation here 25 years ago, uh, and is my former boss, Ted Schroeder. Uh, from San Antonio. He's going to be here. But we're going to talk about David this week and then two weeks from now, and we'll complete the series. And I need to go back a week or two and talk about where we've come, in particular, the last couple of weeks. Because, again, thinking about the life of King David, several thoughts come to mind. And I don't know what thoughts you might have when you think about the life of King David, but early on, early in his life, early in his kingship, He was known as an incredible guy. He was uh, a young boy who was chosen, shepherd boy, had a heart for the Lord, developed gifts, incredible gifts with the lyre, the stringed instrument, the sling, and eventually became uh, a great warrior, defeated Goliath. He became a, a, a godly king and warrior, an incredible administrator, uh, and expanded the kingdom and brought, eventually, he would bring peace in a lot of ways compared to what he inherited. Now, that's one part of David's life, this incredible man of God. And that's what we think about. And we think about, you know, when he's referenced in the New Testament about this incredible man of God and how Jesus is the son of David. That's one aspect. But one of the other aspects we think about, David, is what we talked about the end of a couple of weeks ago, and in particular last week, and that's the episode, the infamous scene of David and Bathsheba. And that's the other scene that comes to mind oftentimes when we think about the life of David. That David, who's this incredible man of God, writes 73 psalms, has a heart for the Lord, known as a man after God's own heart. When he arrives, loses sight of this focus on the Lord, of even his focus on leading his people. And he becomes complacent or possibly prideful. That this warning that was given in the book of Deuteronomy, that David, king, uh, that Moses gave about the kings, Moses being the instrument of the Lord, the prophet of the Lord. And there's a quote that says, and let me read it to you in case you weren't here, the Lord warning about wanting and having a king. And he must not acquire many wives for himself, or else his heart will turn away. Also, silver and gold he must not acquire in great quantity for himself. When he has taken the throne of his kingdom, he shall have a copy of this law written for him in the presence of the Levitical priests, It shall remain with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, so that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, diligently observing all the words of this law and these statutes, neither exalting himself above other members of the community and turning aside from the commandment either to the right or to the left. And so he was was given through the prophet Moses this warning, as all the kings were, that what's going to happen when you arrive? When you are becoming like other nations, when you're a king, this temptation 
to think of yourself as the law, that you can do anything you want. And we saw Saul, King Saul, the first king, David's predecessor, fall. And so David, when he early in his life established himself, he kept these godly principles. He kept the word of the Lord in front of him. But then once he arrived, he grew complacent and prideful. And he slipped. And we talked about the four S's that can cause someone to slip. The first S is silver, which really represents wealth. That when we become successful, we sometimes tend to think that we can become comfortable, that we can lay back, that it's all about us, that we've arrived, that we are self-made people, that we're in control, that we're not stewards that God has a call in our lives, that we're the ones who call the shots. And then it's easy after that to fall into the second S, slothful, that we become lazy, that we live pretty much the way we want and we relax, that we're really not thinking about serving other people. And then thirdly, the third S, sex, which represents pleasure, that we begin to live For our own enjoyment only. We're not really interested in reaching out for the Lord, living for the Lord, serving the Lord, or serving other people. It's really about my pleasure, my entertainment, what I want. Because we've arrived. And then finally, self. That we become the center of our world. That the throne that sits in our hearts, instead of it being the Lord... His rightful place, we sit there, and we become the center. And we dictate what's right and wrong, and we do what we want. The sovereign self, if you will. And that's what happened to David. That when he got to this place of complacency, possibly pride, that he decided that he was done fighting, he was going to take a break, And he got out on his porch and he started becoming voyeuristic and he spots Bathsheba and he makes his own choices and he lives for himself. And then not only does he take Bathsheba in adultery, he has Uriah the Hittite, her husband, killed. You want to talk about living for self and taking the law into your own hands. There's a warning in Scripture. It says, you reap what you sow. That there's consequences to behavior. Jesus talks about sowing good seed. And what happens when we sow good seed? And when you don't sow good seed, what happens? That as much as David would eventually repent, there are still consequences to the sin. Because of what we've done, because of what we've modeled. Because of how we've lived, there are consequences. That God can minimize the consequences when we repent. That God can actually provide hope for the future, which is in fact what he does. If you look in scripture, God does exactly that. But the sins that David multiplies. First, his self-centeredness and complacency. And then the lust. And then the adultery. 
and then the hypocrisy, and then the murder. All of that will be visited on his family, and we see all of those play out with his children. Because simultaneously to David beginning to neglect the call on his life, neglect this living into God's word, there was something else going on too. He was neglecting his family and raising his children in the Lord. Maybe he deferred to his wives. Maybe he had other people raising his children. We don't know. But clearly the message that the children began to live into was not the message of the Word of God, but the message of what his life was beginning to represent. And they picked up on it right away. We see, for example, Amnon, one of his sons, as you saw in the reading that we just read, lust after and eventually rape his half-sister. Illicit sex. He saw that from his father, that his father went after a woman that was not someone that he should have had sex with. Amnon saw that. Amnon lived into that. Absalom, another brother. Tamar's brother, full brother, plotted. Just like David plotted to kill Uriah, Absalom plotted to kill Amnon. Hypocrisy pretended to be his friend, invited him out, then had him killed. Eventually would rebel and take the kingdom from his father for a season. Just like David would rebel and take the throne from the heavenly father for a season. Over and over again, every step that David took would be lived out by his children. Because he did not raise them in the Lord. And what he modeled to them they thought was what they were supposed to do. When you're in charge of your own life. When you do what you want to do. But David didn't stay that way. Because what we see in David was a change. David had to experience and did experience some of the consequences of what he did. The pain of what comes out from that. But that's not what stayed. The first thing that happened when David realized his own sin. With Bathsheba, with Uriah. That we talked about last week was when Nathan the prophet came. And said, you are the man. You're the man that did this. You were at one time a man after God's own heart, but you have become this man. David repented. David repented immediately. And he reassessed his life and his priorities. Psalm 51 is a reflection of that. He said, 
Against you only, Lord, have I sinned. That's how grievous he felt. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. He wanted to be right with the Lord again. And so he confessed. He had fallen into the problem of making the business of the kingdom his life. And then himself his life. Neglecting his relationship with the Lord. Neglecting his family. It is so easy for us to do that today. In our culture today. For us to think it's all about success. And gaining the wealth or the things of the world. Or it's all about us and what we want. And pleasure. Instead of godliness. Instead of keeping the word of the Lord before us. And so David said, I failed. I messed up. And I need to change this. I need to change me first. Which is the first. The first step before the first step is repenting and saying, Lord, I have failed. I have sinned. I've blown it. I need to get right with you. Because he had become ineffective as a king, he was ineffective as a parent. He didn't know what was going on in his children's lives. Between Amnon and Tamar, between Amnon and Absalom. And then he didn't discipline his son Absalom. He was distant from his children. How easily that can happen. But that's because he had become first distant from the Lord. So after he repented and reassessed his priorities, he said, I've got to get my life in order. I've got to stop living for me. I've got to start living again for the kingdom, the kingdom of God first, my family again, and doing what I was supposed to do, be a godly king. And so he made an attempt to get right with his children. With Absalom, it was an incredible strain. But Solomon, who was younger, you can begin to see how he was able to begin to get right with Solomon. Once he got right with the Lord, when Nathan confronted him and said, you're the man. And David said, yes. And he confessed his sin and he got right with the Lord. Then he was able to begin to say, "Okay, now I have to address my family. And it was very, very difficult with his older children. Because in some ways he had already lost ground with them. But as he began to assess himself. And take the first step for himself. Then he was able to move on 
and reach his family. And we see it especially in Solomon. It's very, very interesting to see the father in the son with David and Solomon. First of all, David wrote 73 psalms. Solomon would write psalms. Solomon would not only write psalms, he would write the Song of Solomon, which is this story that reflects one's relationship with the Lord, an intimate relationship. It sounds almost a romantic thing, but it's because once one understands what a relationship with the Lord is meant to look like, it's intimate, it's caring, it's deep. Solomon, at the peak of his wisdom, because he also sought wisdom, he said, I want to live this life. He wrote Proverbs. He asked for wisdom. He said, this is how I want to do things. David set him up for building the temple. He said, I want to make sure my son understands worship needs to be at the center. I wanted to do it. God said, no, I want to make sure Solomon can build this temple. But you know, unfortunately, sometimes when we model good things, sometimes inadvertently those bad things catch on as well. You know, we read this story. I think our alarm's going off. Oh, good. Stopped. We don't have to evacuate right now. Really bad timing. The, the bad modeling of David also caught on. If you look at Second Samuel chapter 5, the foreshadowing of David's downfall, we see that he multiplied wives and concubines. But you read further on in the book of Kings, Solomon, who became this incredible king, the one who built the temple, the wise king, he would eventually have a thousand wives and concubines. Yeah, he kind of took it to an extreme. And I mean, you want to talk about having issues and problems? You need to read the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes, I think, is Solomon when he comes toward the end of his reign. When he realizes that he had lost his focus, like his father. And he says, I realize now everything was vanity. I pursued success. I pursued pleasure. And it's all chasing after the wind. It's all vanity. That when it comes right down to it, it's about the Lord. So David's positive modeling and impact reached Solomon, but then Solomon fell into the negative modeling as well. But David's heart, David's repenting, David's long-term impact was not lost. Because the long-term impact of this man after God's own heart, when he sought forgiveness, when he sought to try to restore 
what he had lost. Is that he would become one of the key ancestors of the Messiah. He would become one who was named in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke 3. Along with other characters in the lineage of Jesus like Rahab the harlot. Not perfect. Forgiven. People who sought the Lord even though they made mistakes with their lives. So much so that we read in the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Right after a passage that most of you know very well. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders and his name, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David, his kingdom. The throne of David. That he inherited. That Jesus is a son of David. And later on in Isaiah, Isaiah 11. A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. That the stump of Jesse, the root, it was almost dead. But then God brought Jesus. That the promise that God gave to David, that there's going to be problems in your family, but this is not the end of the story. Because of your repentance, because of you having a heart after mine, I will raise up. A king after you. And that would be the Messiah. That would be Jesus. Who would restore the kingdom. Who would bring restoration. Who would bring transformation. Which is what God's really after. God's not after condemnation. There are consequences to what we do. But God's after healing and transformation. You know, the reality, if you're honest, is every person has challenges and there is no such thing as a perfect family. I don't know if any of you have come from a perfect family. I don't know if any of you are in a perfect family now. I did not come from a perfect family. My family was not perfect. Ask my children. I tell you to ask my wife. She's working at the Concord today. Later on in life, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I started telling some of my close friends about my family of origin, my background. And they said to me, Greg, we thought you had the perfect family. You know, eventually I would finish pretty well with my dad. I would finish very well with my mom. But there were challenges. Some of you know them. 
When my kids were teenagers and we were going through the throes of some of the teenage stuff, some of you know those stories too. I remember sitting down with my kids and saying to them, I'm going to do the best I can here because I didn't have much of a model. I don't have a blueprint, but I'm going to do the best I can. There's no perfect person. There's no perfect parent. There's no perfect family. But God has given us Jesus Christ, who went to the cross in our place for our sin, for our failures, for our challenges. He went there so we can be transformed by his grace. The promise that we see throughout the Old Testament Some of my favorites being in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. A new heart I will give you. A new heart. No one is lost forever if they choose repentance and forgiveness. If they choose Christ. No one is lost forever. No family is lost forever. Are there scars? Are there problems? Yes. God wants your heart. And He wants your family. And sometimes there's pain. There's no question. David, the man after God's own heart, because he turned sideways, had pain in his family. But with God, there's forgiveness. You know, today is All Saints Sunday. I don't know if you know that. Some of you do, some of you don't. It's the Sunday after All Saints Day, which is, by the way, the day after Halloween. A saint is not perfect. A saint is someone who comes to Christ and is forgiven. A saint is someone who seeks to live by the Word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a saint. So if you've committed your life to Christ, you're a saint. Even if you don't look like it right now. And some of you I know don't. And sometimes I don't. Just try to follow me up the island some days. But God wants to change hearts and he wants to change families. That's what he wants to do. And David repented. And David got his family back eventually with a lot of bruises and a lot of pain. And David got his kingdom back. And David left a legacy. A legacy, 59 references in the New Testament that points to David and points to Jesus being a son of David. You have an opportunity to leave a legacy with your spouse, with your children, if you're married, with your friends and your family. But it starts with repentance. 
and reassessing your priorities and committing your life. And you're going to have an opportunity in a minute when we do a little baptism. Let's pray. Paul writes in Ephesians to live a life worthy to the calling to which you've been called. Lord, in some families here, there's been addiction, abuse, physical, verbal, sexual. There's been anger and rage. Sins that have been passed on through generations. Lord, that by your grace you can break that sin. You can break that pattern. And it begins with our own repentance and our own transformation. Lord, I pray this day for each person here that they would know you as Savior and Lord, that their lives would be transformed and their families. Lord, for the brokenness, that you would bring healing. For the years lost, that you would restore. Lord, we pray this day, looking at David's family, that was not perfect. How the legacy he left was that Jesus would be his son and our Redeemer and Savior. Lord, help us to leave a legacy of faith and godliness and worthiness of your calling on our life for those around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.